In this episode, we take up one of my personal favorites, the immunity syndrome. Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission, to explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Episode 47, The Immunity Syndrome. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we consider the episode The Immunity Syndrome, which aired on January 19, 1968 and occurred on Stardate 4307.1. Story synopsis. On its way to a much-needed rest stop at Starbase 6, the Enterprise is diverted to investigate the mysterious cessation of communications with the Gamma 7A star system. On While on its way, Spock telepathically senses the destruction of the Intrepid, a starship manned entirely by Vulcans, and claims that all 400 Vulcans aboard have been killed. Starbase 6 then orders the Enterprise to Sector 39J to investigate the loss of communications with the Intrepid. The Enterprise encounters a strange field which drains all energy, whether mechanical or biologically generated. Spock reports that he has never encountered a phenomenon like this, and it shows up on the viewing screen as a dark hole in space. The Enterprise launches a probe into it, but it returns only a high-pitched whine, which causes the Enterprise crew to faint, or at least half the crew. When the Enterprise prepares to fire again, the high-pitched whine returns, and the Enterprise experiences a 5% power drain. The star va- stars vanish from the viewing screen, and Spock reports they have entered a zone of darkness. The boundary layer proceeds to drain the ship and its crew of energy. Spock finds the zone of darkness is a negative energy field. Scott prepares to use full power to yank the Enterprise out of the zone, but the best he can do is slow the pull towards the center of the zone. As they approach, they see a giant one-celled organism, which is 11,000 miles long and two to 3,000 miles wide. They send a probe into it, which penetrates it and discovers it to be a living entity or, and filled with protoplasm. Kirk decides to send a shuttlecraft and must decide between sending Spock or McCoy. Spock is selected and sets out in the shuttlecraft Galileo 2 and heads for the nucleus. He reduces life support systems to their bare minimum, causing Chekhov and Kirk to become concerned. Spock estimates, or rather establishes, that the organism has stored enough energy to reproduce and that 400, excuse me, 40 chromosomes in the nucleus are ready to come together. Kirk shuts off the Enterprise's engine and switches all power to the shields, causing the Enterprise to be sucked into the organism. Kirk then fills a probe with antimatter and prepares to launch it into the probe, rather the nucleus, and Chekhov uh, sends it in. Meanwhile, aboard the shuttlecraft, Spock makes a log tape in preparation for his own death. As the Enterprise backs out of the organism, it blows up. It de- the Enterprise detects Spock's shuttlecraft and locks a tractor beam on it. The Enterprise runs out of energy near the edge of the organism, and the crew waits for the detonation and their own potential death. The explosion rocks the ship, but it survives, and the stars appear on the viewing screen again. However, the shuttlecraft has survived as well, and Spock reports that he has some fascinating data on the organism. However, McCoy is furious that Spock has botched the acetylcholine test. So, what's the fun fact for today's episode? Well, Spock explains in this episode that Vulcan was never conquered. However, in the episode The Conscience of the King... McCoy said, now I know why they were conquered in response to Spock's refusal to drink alcohol. This might be explained by Vulcan never having been conquered, 
but one or more of their colonies having been annexed at one point or another by another power. As I indicated at the start of this podcast, this is really one of my favorites. It's a storyline that uh, reoccurs literally throughout science fiction, uh, all the way pre-Star Trek, into Star Trek, into TNG, the various iterations of Star Trek, but perhaps most famously in The Matrix, where humans are living uh, inside of a computer program and they are happy to do so. Here, um, we may be living inside of a very, very large one-cell organism, but unlike The Matrix, here the humans would be the antibodies inside of the great amoeba or organism and they may die. So I find that whole subject matter just to be a fascinating uh, discussion and something that probably will be debated as to uh, as long as humans exist, what's our place in the cosmos, what's our place in the universe. Uh, Obviously, this is not a new topic as uh, the ancient Greeks, Persians, Sumerians, Egyptians, and you name the ancient culture, all attempted to tell stories around what humans' place in the cosmos was. So uh, a great storyline, great science fiction in this piece, as well as I've said uh, several times, uh, some interesting uh, acting as well. Uh, once again, a pretty good conflict between Bones and Spock for our amusement and enjoyment and the um, toughened nature of the Vulcan's physique, which allowed Mr. Spock to survive going into and indeed coming out of the organism. What are the uh, three compliance takeaways from this? Well, I want to go from, away from anti-corruption compliance to export control compliance a little, for uh, one of today's lessons. I recently did a podcast with Bob Ward, the uh, director of export control or uh, trade control at Weslaco. And he said the three most important things about export control are the following. Screen, screen, and then screen again. In today's ever-changing world of uh, economic sanctions, targeted or not, uh, the entities who are subject to those sanctions literally changes on a daily basis now. So you've got to screen. You've got to know not only who are you doing business with, but who are your third parties doing business with? Who are your distributors doing business with? Who are your agents doing business with? Uh, if you are doing business with uh, European agents or distributors, obviously they may be doing business in Canada, or excuse me, in Cuba, probably Canada too, but uh, at least right now, Canada's not subject to sanctions, although as I noted, once again, um, that could change tomorrow under this administration. So the key is for you to screen, screen, and screen. Second, how do you choose your project team? Uh, This is not something that lawyers are taught. It's certainly not something taught in law school. It's not even something that compliance practitioners who receive a compliance certification are taught. So how do you uh, select your project team? And I I bring this up in the context of Kirk having to select uh, either McCoy or Spock uh, for what is believed to be a suicide mission to go into the uh, nucleus of the uh, organism for scientific uh, measurements and readings. While um, McCoy is probably better suited as a biologist because he's a physician, certainly uh, Spock 
has a broader science background and remit, but he's also a better pilot. And that probably was a critical uh, decision or distinction in Captain Kirk's mind. So um, who is on your project team? A project in compliance can be a relatively small, say, a third-party project. It can be also a much broader project. So a rewrite of your code of conduct, a complete revamp of your training. How do you um, bring disciplines outside of compliance, outside of law, into your compliance team? Do you have resources within the organization that you can draw upon, or do you need to go even outside your organization to bring, bring in an outside resource uh, to get it done? So who's on your project team? How do you make decisions around who should be on your project team? How do you integrate them together? Those are all things a compliance practitioner has to uh, consider. And unfortunately, as I said, it's certainly not a skill that uh, we are taught in law school. And finally, Along those lines, what's your innovation strategy? Do you have an innovation strategy within compliance? That's going to be an important part for any compliance practitioner going forward. So what's your innovation strategy? Join us tomorrow where we take up a private little war. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.